We are in the year of hope, and we are in the second week of this series. Hope is real. We are in 1 John. We're walking verse by verse as we walk through this. We are grasping the reality that hope is real. This is not something we made up. It's not just another story among many. It's real. And we want to hear your stories. We want to, again, I want to remind you, use this hashtag, hope is, and let us know how it is. God is is revealing his power to you. How hope is becoming real in your life. It may be a scripture. It may be a song. Whatever it is. It may be a picture. This week there was some powerful posts. I don't know if you've if you've looked at those, but my goodness, it's so much fun to see how God is at work. And here is what I know. If, if your hope is real, you're going to look to God in, 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 in unique and personal ways. And, and one of the ways you'll do that is, is through prayer. And I, I want to encourage you to be praying, to focus uh, with this 30-30 challenge to 30 minutes in the Word and in prayer for 30 days. I know many of you are, are participating in that. I want to encourage you in that. But I also want to encourage you to be here on the third Wednesday. On the third Wednesday, we're going to meet for a time of prayer. It's going to be more than prayer. We're going to have a time of fellowship. We're going to have a meal together. We're going to be around tables. Then we're going to have the Lord's Supper around those tables. I'm going to teach. And then we're going to have a time of prayer to focus in on what God can do. Now, I know some of you can't make the meal between 5.30 and 6.30. That's okay. But we, we still need to know if you're coming so we know which room to be in. Because if it's going to be dozens of us, that's okay. We're going to be in the fellowship hall. If it's going to be a hundred or so, we're going to be in one of the sections in the, uh, in the connection center. So if you're going to be here, but you're not going to be here for the meal. If you're going to be here for the meal, of course, you're going to buy your meal tickets there at the 1040 Cafe or online. But if you're not going to be here for the meal, please email uh, hopetogether at lhbg.org. And that's what we're calling the third Wednesday night, Hope Together, because that's what we're going to do. We're going to hope together as we pray together and as we talk about and experience this, this God who is real. I, I don't know if they came by your house yesterday, but uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses were in my neighborhood yesterday and and they stopped by for a chat, which is always a lot of fun for me. And, and they, they rarely stay long. I don't know what the deal is. They stay at everybody else's house forever. They're like running them off. You know, it's like, please, we got other things. It's like, hey, hey, I'm glad you're, you know, it always kind of disarms them too. Because they're like, oh no, how do we get this address? And it was a, it was a very nice lady. It was an older lady and, and a young lady. And I recognize the young lady. She'd been by before. And so they began to talk about how they love the Bible. And I talked about how much I love the Bible. And I said, but you know, there is one distinction, isn't there? She said, oh, what do you mean? I said, well, you don't believe that Jesus is God, do you? And she said, no, I don't. She said, I have studied the Bible and I just don't see how in the world you can believe that. And she said, and I know that you've studied the Bible and you don't see how in the world I could believe what I believe. And she said, and so instead of having just a debate on this, why don't I just go? And I said, well, if you must. And I didn't give even the last word. I, I, and I didn't ask for God's blessing on them because I can't because that's evil. But one of the things that I, I walked away from was, was just kind of an awareness. You know, it's always been this. It's always been this way. There's always been those who claim that Jesus is not God. And if Jesus is not God, well, we have a whole host of problems. And I'll just give you a quick listing of them here real quick. If Jesus is not God, we do not have a holy mediator. We're on our own. If Jesus is not God, we do not have an all-powerful Savior. 
you know, if we believe what Jehovah's Witnesses believe, he's just like Satan. He's Satan's brother. He's got, you know, it's just all this kind of craziness. It's not what the scripture says, as you'll see in just a moment. We do not have a living God who gives a living hope. We have a, we have a person, we have this idea, and we've got to drum it up. We do not have a God who understands and cares for us. I'm going to tell you, all this is not true. Our God is Jesus Christ. He is God. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in the mystery of the Trinity. But God the Father has sent the Son. He has come to rescue us. And the power of the Holy Spirit now allows us to believe and live in Him. Amen? And, and what we see happening here in First John, I want to make sure you understand this, because Satan doesn't have any new tricks. Satan's tricks have always been the same since the garden. His, his trick is this, is if he cannot get you to deny God outright, then he will take the word of God and he'll twist it to mean what he wants it to mean. And so there were people in the day when the Apostle John was, was still ministering, all the other disciples that we know of, the originals were, were probably dead by now, having given their lives as martyrs for the faith. And so he's writing to a church who's being told that Jesus was not really God. That, that, that this, this whole phenomenon that they've been talking about was not real. And there's all these different concepts and philosophies and ideas that, that were being presented. So John, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is writing to this church and to all churches to communicate the fact that Jesus is God. That God has come, that He has been made manifest. And, and that's the point He's making in this epistle, in this letter that He's writing to the church. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, take it out and turn with me now to 1 John. Easiest way to get there is to go to the end of your Bible, go to Revelation and take a left. And you will come to 3rd, then 2nd, then 1 John. And Caleb Jewett is going to provide our reading for today. So Caleb, if you would come as he comes, let's all stand together in honor of God's Word. This, in this series, we're working through verses 1 through 5. So today we're going to be in verse 2, but I'm going to ask Caleb to go ahead and read all five verses for us this morning. If you, if you would follow along. If you would go ahead and read verses 1 through 5. That which is from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it, to testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father, and he was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we also proclaim to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light and in him no darkness at all. The Word of God. Thank you, my brother. If you would, go ahead and be seated. And let's, let's think about this. As we look at verse 2, we want to, again, understand that because hope is real, it's something we can experience. I remember, like it was yesterday, six years ago was the first time in the summer, six years ago this summer, was the first time we'd ever taken uh, Asher to go see real-life fireworks. Now, up to that point, he had seen them on television, and he liked them. And he saw them kind of in, you know, our neighborhood from a distance. But we were in Nashville six years ago this summer, and so we went down to Riverfront Park to watch the fireworks because he seemed to have enjoyed them on television. He did not like them in person. He climbed me like a tree and held on for dear life and screamed his little guts out. It was 
awful, and we were stuck. I don't know if you've ever been at a fireworks display. There's no getting out of there. I mean, bless her. I held his ears, and I just held him, and, and then it started raining, and he was thrilled. He's like, we're out of here. We're saved. And so we were running back to the hotel. He was screaming back to Carrie, Mama, we're running. We're running. No more fireworks. We're running. We're running. And he wanted to get away from this overwhelming reality. You know, for the, rede- the unredeemed of God, for those who die in their sin, hell is going to be a lot worse than that, but that's what it's going to be like. They're going to come in contact with something that so overwhelmingly powerful they don't know what to do with it when you come in contact with the holiness of god it will be so overwhelming and if you are not covered in the righteousness of christ if if you do not have his holy vestment and if your sin has not been pardoned it's going to be the most horrifying experience you can imagine you will want to run you will run to the darkness of hell and you will grit your teeth and you will scream because you will be overwhelmed and want to flee the light and the holiness of God. But the redeemed of God will rejoice. We will scream hallelujah and we will sing with a multitude of the Lamb who overcame our sin, who has overcome and we will worship Him. And we will delight in Him. And our lives will never be the same. And I want to tell you, that same God that we will see in heaven is alive today. And we can experience Him now. Yes, in a fallen world. Yes, by faith. But nonetheless, in a way that is real. God has come. Jesus was born. He lived a holy life. He died. He has been raised. And because we have a living God, we have a living hope. And our hope is real. And this hope is something that we can experience. That's what hope is. Hope is a life experience. Take note as we look at the text and and understand what this experience is. Understand that hope is a life experience that is real. This is real. Again, he says in verse 2, the life was made manifest. And we have seen it. We talked about this last week. John and hundreds of disciples had seen the resurrected Christ. Many had been martyred. They had been killed for their faith. They were told to deny the risen Christ. And they said, we cannot do that. We cannot deny him. They said, deny him or die. And so they died for their faith. Believing and knowing that Jesus was alive. That Jesus would walk them through that horrific death but then be with them as they entered into eternity with Him. Jesus actually came and He walked and He talked with these disciples. And we have many examples in in the first chapter of Acts, but also in in Luke 24 we see this this interesting uh, example and this interesting experience these two disciples had as they were on the road to Emmaus. And they were talking about, uh, the, just days after the resurrection of Christ, they were talking about the death of Jesus and what this meant and what all had happened. And then Jesus comes, and, and they don't know it's Jesus, but Jesus comes and begins to walk with them and talk with them about all that was going on. And it says in Luke twenty four twenty seven, and beginning with Moses, now think about this. He doesn't, he doesn't just start at the birth. He doesn't just start at the resurrection. Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, 
he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. The Bible teaches that Jesus is God. That God promised that he would send his son. The king of heaven would become a suffering servant who would take our place and die for our sin and then conquer death and conquer sin and be raised. And so he's explaining it to these disciples. They have a meal and they don't know what to think of it. And then as they begin to break bread, he vanishes. And, and, and they realize we've been with Jesus. And I love what they say in verse 32. This is Luke 24, verse 32. Uh, they, they talk about the way it felt. It said, they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? Have you ever had that experience? Opening the word of God. And through the power of the Spirit of God, having this burning, yearning as the holiness of God moves upon you in an unmistakable way and transforms the way you think and feel and live. Friends, because Jesus is alive and because the Word of God is alive and active, when we are reading the Word of God, we are experiencing the very presence of God. And here's what you have to understand. If you are not prayerfully reading and studying the Word of God, you are not going to experience the hope of the reality of the experience of the risen Christ. If you do not spend time in the Word of God, you are ignoring, you are abandoning, you are missing the very presence of Jesus. And, and what, what a huge miss. You're missing it. And every time you read the Word, you're not necessarily going to have this burning experience. But here's what I will tell you. The more often you study the Word of God, the more often you will have that experience. The less you study the Word of God, the less of this rich experience of the reality of Jesus you will have. I had that experience this week. And of all places, Las Vegas. I was there last week with the North American Mission Board. And I cannot tell you how full my heart is having seen what God is doing in that city of death. It truly is sin city. It truly is a miserable miserable place. But I want to, I want you to hear this. God is at work. I saw it. I saw the churches that were being planted. I met with pastors. One of them opened the word of God with us. And I'm telling you, Jesus was there. And it is an experience I don't know that I will ever forget. Pastor Dave Early is one of the church planters. And Dave was a professor at Liberty University and is, and is well known in, in the uh, Christian academic world. Uh, many who are in seminary will read his books. And he was teaching a class several years ago and he, he came to an all familiar text, a text that many of us know. You know this one probably, Matthew 16, verse 18. This is the words of Jesus and he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Two things he noted here. He had read this a hundred times, yet in that moment, as he was reading the Word of God, Jesus showed up through the power of the Holy Spirit 
and he saw something he had not seen before. Jesus said, I will build my church. He said, you know what, guys? We don't have to build the church. We just have to be the church. God is going to build his church. Jesus is going to build his church. How does he do it? As we live out our hope, as we live hopeful, and and as we choose to be helpful, we will find that by being the church, Jesus does what he promised he would do. He said, I will build my church. And so he was so overwhelmed with the freedom of that. And I'm going to tell you, my eyes began to tear up as I began to think of how many times over the years I have just been overwhelmed with the desire to build the church of Jesus. And I was so relieved to realize that's not in my job description. That's the work of Christ. Our job is simply to be the church. And then, guys, put that back up there. And he got to the second part. And, and he sensed the Holy Spirit of God asking something. And it says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And he sensed the Holy Spirit saying to him, Will you go to where the gates of hell are? So he went home and he told his wife what happened. He said, I was teaching that text. I've taught it a hundred times. But Jesus showed up today. And he said he was going to build his church. And I sense that the Spirit of God is calling us to go where the gates of hell are. And he said, do you have any idea where on earth the gates of hell might be? She said, you know, I don't know, but I'll go. I don't know if it was the next morning or or, or sometime soon after that. And early in the morning, the Spirit of God woke him up. And he was overwhelmed with the reality that the gates of hell were in Las Vegas. And so they moved. They left the comfort of a glorious, wonderful, conservative seminary where they had this nice safe life where everyone loved them and they knew what to anticipate they knew what to expect they knew what was going to happen every semester every summer they knew what was going to happen they left all of that and they have planted a church on the strip in las vegas nevada he shared that story with us and friends i'm going to tell you i just had tears on my face and then And then he began to introduce the people who had greeted us as we'd come in that morning. He pointed out to a lady who was once a prostitute. And then to a man who was a drug dealer. And then to another person who was a criminal. And then to several who were addicts. And then to a a couple of young adults in their early 20s who had left the seminary to come and help him plant the church. And no matter where they came from, and and no matter what had happened to them or what they had done, all their stories were the same. They met the resurrected Jesus. He saved them from their sin. He moved in their life and transformed them. And now they have gathered to be a part of this church where they are seeing Jesus grow His church. And I'm going to tell you, I was moved. I was deeply moved. How did this happen? It was the Word of God. I want to tell you, you may read the Word of God, and, and God may not send you to Las Vegas 
or to West Africa or to East Asia or to Southeast Asia or to Fargo or to Atlanta. He may send you no further than your own home to be the church to your neighborhood where you live, maybe where you work, where you learn, where you play. But make no mistake, if you if you are in the word of God, you are positioning yourself to experience the reality of the risen Christ. And as you pray and as you seek the power of the Holy Spirit to be at work in your life, he will move. And it will be unlike anything that you have ever could ever experience in any other way. There will be a burning and a yearning in your heart and it will fill you with hope. You want to know why some of you don't have hope? Who claim Christ as Savior? It's because you don't experience the risen Christ. Your faith is institutionalized in faith. It doesn't require anything of you because you won't let it. You don't open the pages and say, here I am, God, send me. You say, oh my God, protect me and make me as comfortable as possible. And that's not what God does. God moves in our lives to bring about a transformation in us and in the world, and it's real. And friends, when you experience it, oh, it fills you with hope. It's a life experience. And understand, write this down. Hope is a life experience that is eternal. It says, and, and, and we testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life. What God gives us in Jesus is not a momentary experience. I'm, I'm often saddened by so many Christians who say that, that their, the summation of their salvation experience begins and ends with the moment they were saved. It was a revival. It was a Billy Graham. It was a moment. Jesus has come to give us an eternal life. Two things. Write this down. In quantity and quality. It's eternal in quantity and quality. Now understand, everyone's going to live forever. So everyone has eternal life, but not everyone has the eternal life that Jesus gives and the quality He gives it. What is, what's the difference? Titus 3.7 So that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Here's what I want you to understand. Everybody in this room and every human being that has ever been conceived has eternal life. The question is, what will be the quality of it? For those of us who have been justified by His grace, we have become heirs. We have become the children of the King of Heaven. And our eternal life is a life in Jesus. And that's what makes it rich. That's what makes it beautiful. That's what makes it great. Is that we are alive to God. God is alive in us through faith. Because He has conquered sin and death. And now we have access to God the Father, King of Heaven. We are heirs to this kingdom. And He is alive in us. And we experience this life. It is eternal life. It's a life that will never end. It's a life that flows out of heaven into our hearts, into our lives. And it fills us with hope. Is that your life? I mean, is that what you get 
every morning when you wake up, no matter what your circumstances may be? Because people say, well, you know what? Why do I suffer? Why do I have pain if this Jesus is alive and it's so great? He didn't say you weren't going to suffer. What he said was you would suffer with hope. He said he would never leave you or forsake you. So that even the greatest, grievous moments of your life are still victories because Jesus is alive. And that eternal life, the quantity and quality, is at work in you. And it's an experience that you have because Jesus is God. Because hope is real. This experience is one that is given. Write it down. Hope is a life experience that is given. Now I want you to notice this. Notice where the life was. Verse 2, it says, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. God has always existed as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's how we know that God is love. Love exists between others. God could not be love if He were not multiple in person and yet one in essence. Because God is Father, Son, and Spirit, and the Father loves the Son, and the love, and the Father and the Son loves the Spirit, and the Spirit holds them in a bond of love, God is love. And Jesus has always been God, and He has always been with the Father and the Spirit for all of eternity. It's never not been this way. So here He is. The text says, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. How was He made manifest to us? Because the Father sent Him. Because the Father gave Him. You know this verse. John three sixteen through 18 For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world in order that the world might be saved through Him, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Why do we have hope? Because God sent hope to save us. Hope is God, and God has come. And if you believe, you will be saved. So who is saved? Whosoever believes. The question is this, do you believe? Do you truly believe? And if you do not believe, then you're condemned already because you are already in sin. You are already trapped in this sin reality. And you're going to live forever because you have been given an eternal a soul. A soul that will last forever. So you're going to live. The question is, how will you live? Will you live with hope? The only way you can have hope is to believe. To believe in the Son of God. To believe that Jesus is God. To believe that He has died. To believe that He has been raised. And as you experience Him in His Word according to His Spirit, and as you trust Him and look to Him for life, it will be eternal because the Father has given this Son. Write it down and know this for a fact. To experience this life, we must give up the old and walk in the new. And that's what we celebrate at baptism, Romans 6, 4. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Baptism is a picture 
of giving up the old to live in the new. That's what salvation is. We die to our old life and our sin. And we are raised to walk in a new life in the living Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that happens by faith as you believe. Do you believe? Do you have hope? If not, come get on your knees and receive this gift. Are you living hopeful? If not, come and get on your knees this morning and express your need for the risen Christ to burn in your heart and in your mind and in your life. When was the last time When was the last time you burned with passion for Jesus? See, what Jesus begins, He's promised He's going to finish. Philippians 1, 6 tells us that. That He who began a good work in us will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. How is God's construction project of your life going? Are you becoming more and more like Jesus as He lives this eternal life in you? Or have you called off construction? Have you said, no, 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 I will not go to the building site, which is the Word of God. I will not listen to the foreman, which is the Spirit of God. I will not be guided... I will simply, I will simply sit by with no hope, no peace, and no glory being given to God. Friends, that does not honor our King, and it doesn't bless you. And I want you this morning to be able to walk away from this place knowing that you've experienced God and that you've responded rightly. And so I want us to give thanks to God in song, but I want you to feel free to come now and get on your knees and say, God, save me. Or God, continue the work you began in me that I might live with hope. Let's stand together. Let's pray. Father, this glorious gift you've given in your son, it's one that that only matters when we believe. It, It only matters when we live in in this life, this eternal life you've given, we access it through your word and through the power of your spirit. Father, you want to today begin a new life in many, and I pray that they will come right now and acknowledge that they've sinned, believe that you, Jesus, died for their sin, and for them to submit their life to you to be filled with hope. But I pray for brothers and sisters who have stopped the construction project that you began at their salvation because they are not in the word, they are not seeking you. They've, their hearts are not burning with you. And I pray today as they come to ask you that you'll set them on fire and that they will burn with the hope of Jesus. Hear those who come to pray for others, who come to ask you to do miracles in the lives of those they know that need you. God, be honored now as we thank you and as we come to you in faith. In Jesus' name, amen.